0: And welcome to the Black Chick Lit Podcast. I'm Danielle. And I'm Molly. And this month, <laughs> week, whatever, we are going to talk about We Love You, Charlie Freeman by Caitlin Greenridge. So this one's a little delayed because of Halloween and homework. Mm-hmm. That's all my bad. <laughs> it's all my bad. I'm taking a finance class. Ooh. Exactly. Ooh. So... But yes. So thank you for joining us. This is our third episode. I'm, Yay! I'm so happy. So now we can like put it on iTunes and other podcast platforms.
1: Look for us. Tell people. Tell your mom. She'd love us.
0: Moms love us. So right moms now that's like us. our biggest demographic is moms. <laughs> so um, let's get into it. So as I said, this book was written by Caitlin Greenridge. It was originally published March 8th of this year. So it's still relatively new. Not as new as Another Brooklyn, which we read last month, mm-hmm. but still relatively mm-hmm. new. And it is her debut novel. And we were talking about how, unlike Another Brooklyn, which I feel like I saw everywhere on Twitter and all the book rag and all the book stuff, I have not seen much about We Love You, Charlie Freeman. It's been kind of quiet.
1: Yeah, um, outside of a few kind of um reviews you would expect, Goodread, New York Times, um, Huffington Post. I mean it's it's doing well and a lot of authors would kill to have that type of exposure. But I think compared to our first two, um, uh Queen Sugar, which is now a pretty successful TV show that people seem to love, and uh, Another Brooklyn, which is racking up awards, um,
0: Shortlisted we listed for the national book award in fiction, right? Or did it win it? Um, you know, I don't know. It was longlisted. Then it got shortlisted.
1: Right. We'll have to look that up. Yeah, we'll have to look it up.
0: I'm um, sorry, I didn't mean to go ahead.
1: Uh, yeah, so it, it it has good exposure, but it it maybe isn't as making as much wave as the other two that we've reviewed.
0: Right. Um, there is someone who tweeted us on Twitter. At Monica Reed said, "I heard the author talk about this book during the National Book Festival. Can't wait to hear what y'all thought." So she is getting out there and working the circuit. So maybe it'll, mm-hmm. maybe it'll get out there and grow. I will say on Goodreads, it's pretty, it's pretty divided. Like the people either love it or hate it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think I fall. I think it's a well-written book, but I don't want to read it again. <laughs> <laughs> This book gave me, I went through this whole book, as I was telling Molly, with like low-key anxiety. Like I was panicked (laughs) the entire time. So we can, and we'll get into that. But first I Mm -hmm. will start with the synopsis. As always, spoiler alert, you're, we're going to reveal everything and just get into it. Because that's what we do here.
1: Right. So if you haven't read it, pause right here, go read the whole book and then come back once you're done. And that's key. Please come back. So. Yes, please do.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. So a brief synopsis. It's 1990, and the Freeman family, consisting of mother, Laurel, father, Charles, eldest daughter, Charlotte, and youngest daughter, Callie, have signed up to take part in an experiment with the local Tunnybee Institute. The experiment, live with a chimpanzee and teach him language. While the Freemans enter the experiment optimistic, things quickly turn sour and tense. They live in a massive, worn-down mansion <clears throat> and are studied by an all-white research team, consisting of Dr. Paul, Dr. Mariette Paulson, and her assistant, Max. The chimp named Charlie Freeman is nothing short of an asshole. He throws temper tantrums, (laughs) monopolizes Laurel's attention, and frequently displays his dominance over the younger Callie. Charlotte finds escape in a relationship with the rebellious classmate, Adia, while Callie finds relief in food. Things come to a breaking point during an awkward Thanksgiving dinner with the Institute's founder, Julia Tunney B. Leroy, where it comes to light that Laurel has been breastfeeding Charlie in secret. Eventually, Charles moves out Charlotte has a blow up with Adia and Callie in an attempt to gain Charlie's affections, drugs, and quote unquote, baptizes him question mark in the ocean (laughs) where they both nearly drown. While this is going on, we also learn about Nymphadora, a black woman in the late 1920s who poses for one of the researchers at the Institute. She is later distressed to learn that her portraits are being manipulated to merge her body with the face and features of a chimp named Rosalie. She had, she had fallen in love with the researcher and, and a, Display of anger and revenge, she ends up abducting Rosalie, sets her free, and leaves town by train and that's sort of it because <laughs> that's just <laughs> it kind of ends <laughs> yeah, it's just sort of the whole messy ball of the thing. so let's get into it. I sort of touched on my feelings, but I would really like to hear your feelings about the book.
1: Okay, so I'm going to start off a little bit off topic um. So the reason I picked this book is because um, I thought it was going to be funny. (laughs) (laughs) And um, that makes two months in a row now that I've been really...
0: (laughs) Yeah, we thought, we thought Another Brooklyn was a fun shit book.
1: Right. And now I thought Charlie Freeman. And the reason I thought that was because I read the synopsis Maybe you can tell by now, but I don't really go into a lot of, I don't do a lot of research before I pick up a book, um, just because, I don't know, I really want to see for myself, um, you know, what my thoughts are before I start taking in other information. Maybe it's like a leftover thing from being an English major and people telling me, this book is great, and then I read it and it sucks, and it's like, well so um you will not be I, burned again I will not be burned again so I the reason I thought this book was funny after I read the synopsis was because I was thinking it was going to be like another book that's in the news lately um the sellout by Paul Beatty go, Paul. um go Paul seriously
0: winner of uh, the so- man booker prize
1: I know, first American ever, I think deservedly so. Um, If you haven't read that, it is about um, a man who's trying to bring back segregation and slavery with the help of the last surviving little rascal. And it is, it's hilarious. It's one of the funniest things I've read in a long time. And the synopsis of Charlie Freeman actually reminded me a lot of the first chapter of that book. Um, where they're talking about some social experiments that uh, the main character Bonbon's father did on him. And he's recreating all these like really famous, infamous social science experiments with his son to make him fear and loathe white people and black people and just everything. So when I read it, um, when I read the synopsis of Charlie Freeman, I was like, oh my God, like it's going to be in that vein. Like this sounds like really... Um, inappropriate but also hilarious so (laughs) I (laughs) just (laughs) unilaterally was excited Mm -hmm. to see um you know another book in that kind of absurdist vein but I was not I was not (laughs) correct so I was a little um disappointed I guess in the tone and to be honest I was a little bit bored throughout the book. of the three that we read, it definitely didn't hold my interest as much.
0: I think I liked it more than Queen Sugar, mm-hmm. but not as much as Another Brooklyn. I feel like for me, Another Brooklyn has probably been the best book I've read all year.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, but
0: that's kind of so like yeah, that's kind of I guess unfair to sort of pit it against that.
1: That's true. So maybe we should make a rule: not <laughs> we're not going to compare this book to. um uh national book award winners national book award winners or books that oprah decided <laughs> should be a tv show so we're going to talk about it in its own right because right. i think that it has it does some things really well but i think it also could have been tighter in other places mm-hmm.
0: i went into this book so this was molly's pick and i didn't i just read it because molly picked it i read the synopsis <laughs> so i went in kind of like i know you said it was a bit absurd Mm -hmm. And which I thought, which fit because the premise sounds ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I went in, I guess a little bit, I guess Maya was probably not as disappointed by you because I wasn't expecting as much Mm -hmm.
1: from it. Mm -hmm.
0: Like I was reading it. I will say I thought initially going in, I had a, so to start this, I had a hard time trying to figure out what,
1: when this book takes place. Me too. It's sort of, have you seen Dope? I saw the first thirty minutes of dope. And I had to go.
0: (laughs) Like I had to it's a long movie too, so yeah. But Dope did the same thing to me because Dope feels like it should take place in the nineties when -hmm. you see everybody in the aesthetic, but it doesn't. It takes place in modern day. He just really Mm likes nineties hip hop. And I sort of felt like that with this, the whole premise of the experiment that it's like really innately racist. It's sort of Mm -hmm. ridiculous that I thought this book took place in like maybe the 30s or Mm -hmm. the 50s and Mm -hmm. then and really I should have caught on way before what I did like they mentioned jerry curls and things but I didn't really catch (laughs) on until she mentioned stirrup
1: pants (gasps) same here I did not know what she was like I had no idea until she said that she wore stirrup pants to the first day of school and I was like oh okay it's it's like (laughs) early 90s 90s. yeah and then she mentioned like when she's in
0: she's having like a sort of a breakdown in the bathroom. We're talking mm-hmm. about Charlotte, by the way, the eldest daughter, right. who we follow for most of the book. But mm-hmm. she has a couple, like she's she's like, I guess, our center. She's the narrator, if there is one, even though the book switches points of view per chapter. Right. But she right. has like this breakdown and she starts trying to sing a Belle bib DeVoe song. <laughs> and I'm like, huh. So that's when I, so the first few chapters, I was really sort of disoriented mm-hmm. on when the book took place because the premise mm-hmm. just seems like the idea of picking a black family, it's not stated they picked them because they were black, mm-hmm. but the idea of picking a black family to live with a chimpanzee just seems so ridiculously racist. <laughs> I'm like, this book has to take place in the 30s. Right.
1: It like Twitter would, Twitter would shit its pants yes. if this happened and I would be right there baking memes like there'd be <laughs> all day, awesome all day. Like that would be my day if this happened in real life
0: so yeah so i can't like so yeah and i'm glad i'm not the only one i really like i said i should have picked up on it earlier because in that same first chapter they talk about how callie or charlotte mentions how her mother chopped up all her hair and got a jerry curl
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but hey, yeah I- she didn't say like she got a the big chop or she had a twa she says she chopped it got a jerry curl and that i think is like a little hint like, hey, this is where we're at, but you know.
0: <laughs> I missed it. it just, I missed
1: it. <laughs> we all have our
0: things. Stirrup pants is mine. So. Stirrup
1: pants. Yeah, I had stirrup pants. I loved them.
0: But since you talked about tone,
1: mm-hmm. I would
0: like to say, like, yeah, this book, I was, and I may have said this earlier in the episode. I don't know. I've said it enough times that I don't know when I said it. When, but mm-hmm. um, this book sort of low key gave me an anxiety attack. Like every time I read it, I was like really panicked because you feel like there is this sense of like dread or disaster hanging over every scene and maybe it was just me because I I watched a lot of Animal Planet Fatal Attraction Mm -hmm. and I know that there like (laughs) there are multiple recorded accounts of like chimp attacks Mm -hmm. and so I didn't know if it was going to go there Charlie is such an asshole that I didn't know what he was going to do and everything Mm -hmm. just feels like everything just feels kind of dreadful and so it's really well done I will say that I didn't like reading it but like the way she sets the scenes to make you just feel sort of on edge. I'll say it's really, she's really good at that.
1: Mm, Interesting. (laughs) What? So you, the most of the dread that she felt was because you thought Charlie was going to be violent or do something. Yes. I see.
0: Like, cause there is early. Oh, Oh, no, mm -hmm. sorry. When they first move in, there is a scene, I guess it's right when they first meet Charlie and they're trying to go to bed and I guess he has like a freak out. He mm, screeches mm. and they all talk about how it was like the worst sound they've ever heard, like the loneliest sound. And he does it a couple times
1: mm-hmm. in the
0: book. And it's just like, it's kind of, it's eerie and it's off-putting. Let me see. I'm going to go, I highlight it, I think. And I can like, uh, let me find it. But it's just, I don't know. It's just everything about it from when they describe the house to when they first meet him. it just sort of puts you, you're not at ease. It's not comfortable.
1: Mm. Yeah, I will say that I felt the um, the sense of dread as well, but I felt it more like something racist was going to happen. Oh, yeah. Like, you know how if you're out and about and um, you, the circumstances are right and you think something racist could happen? Yes. That was the kind of dread that I got. Like, oh, I'm going to see or read something that's really going to make me emotionally uncomfortable. Yes. Like, the stuff with uh, Charlie... I don't know. I just didn't feel that sense of dread. I thought, okay, this monkey's either going to attack somebody or he's not. But to me, honestly, Charlie was the most uninteresting part of the story.
0: He he was. For someone who is like the titular character, he's mm-hmm. not very well emphasized. And I don't mm-hmm. think, for me, that was okay because I realized Charlie really isn't the point. Yeah, he's like sort true. of a means to an end.
1: Mm -hmm. I
0: guess for me, it's like when they describe Charlie, it's always, like he's not like a cute little monkey, which I guess Mm -hmm. works because monkeys aren't, like they're not stuffed animals. He's like, like for one example, when they first meet him, so Charlie yawned. This is Charlotte, Charlotte describing him. Charlie yawned. His breath was rancid, like dried, spoiled milk. Later when he got used to us, he would run his lips up and down our hands so that all of our skin, too, smelled like Charlie's mouth and the hefty, mournful stench of wild animal. And it's just... I don't know, that feels so tactile. Like, I can smell that, and it, like, grosses me out and sort of disgusts mm-hmm. me. So mm-hmm. every time... And the scent of, like, his breath and of rotting food comes up a lot whenever they describe the animals. And it's just sort of... It stays with you, and it just sort of... <sighs> made me shudder. I did feel what you felt in all of Nymphadora scenes. Ah! When she was posing for the researcher, I'm like, he's not as... Well, I... He... Sells himself as a very, like, I love Black people. I want to show everyone that Black people are great people and all these other things. But I felt like it was very disingenuous. And, like, he would, later come out and, like, do something either through malice or through, like, extreme, like, condescension, Mm -hmm. do something that would be super racist, which he does. Which he did. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that's where I felt that.
1: Yeah. So um, maybe we should go chronologically with how you know, the Tony B and everything came yes. came, came to, to fruition. Finish. Like how um, Charlotte and her family ended up in this place.
0: That's a good idea. There's a lot of back and forth through time in the book. Definitely,
1: definitely. There are multiple narrators, but I think that only Charlotte's chapters are in the first person. Is that true? Yeah. Or are um, Nifidora's in the first person also?
0: Nifidora's are in the first person because I think they're supposed to be a letter.
1: Ah. Uh, and, right, um, right.
0: But yeah, that is, tr- you're right, Charlotte's chapters are the only ones written through the first person, and it's kind of jarring sometimes when you switch from her to mm-hmm. like Charles, and it's back right. in the third person. Right. But I um, mean, yeah, so if we're going to start chronologically, we probably have to go way back mm-hmm. to the early 1900s? I, I believe so. So when we meet, or when the founder of the Institute, Julia Tunney Leroy, Mm -hmm. travels to Africa on, Mm -hmm. um, on a safari, I assume. Mm -hmm. And she accidentally kills a chimpanzee. And as the chimpanzee dies, she has this moment where she thinks it's talking to her. Right. And so she becomes obsessed with this and she goes back home, has the Institute, which I think she inherited.
1: Yeah. So it was a conservatory and, um, I guess her parents are very wealthy from some kind of rubber plantation or something and they said okay you're gonna um inherit this conservatory but she didn't think that life was for her which prompted the trip to africa and a weird scene where she's like dancing with a girl and like putting her hands all in her hair yeah um asking her to wrap her hair like <laughs> hers yeah right julia definitely has some weirdness that i think we can get into and boundary but... issues <laughs> and and boundary issues She finds the monkey, shoots it, thinks it's talking, comes back and changes the conservatory into this institute for the study of... Primate research. Primate research, specifically if they can speak or if they can be taught to speak and communicate with humans.
0: Mm -hmm. And so she has her first monkey, she gets from a Florida reserve. Mm -hmm. And so they train it to speak only she only speaks five words ever mama Mm -hmm. and papa are two of them Mm -hmm. i think there's like also cup ball i can't remember the last one
1: yeah very practical things
0: but they say that like the 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 um work to teach her this like they manually massage the monkey's face to get Mm her to say the words and it like wears the monkey out from what i can tell to the point where Mm -hmm. she goes mute and then she eventually gets pneumonia and dies and i think it has a really big impact on julia
1: Right. It kind of destroys Julia. Like Julia has this weird tension of um, you can't quite tell if she's if she feels guilty or if she is putting that guilt aside. Like if she feels um, guilty to the point of wanting to be forgiven or if she's kind of justifying it in her mind because her research is so important. So she takes the bones of this first monkey and puts it up in the kind of a front room of the of the Tony B, which they call her um her mansion where Char um Charlie later lives. And um it's kind of this weird thing. Like they see the bones and you think it's like I, I don't know. What did you make of those bones being in the foyer of the um well I don't the institute.
0: They weren't the actual bones, right? Like she has a portrait commissioned of oh, her I thought
1: that there were little bones in there too.
0: Well, I think because at one point she has them out, but then like she gets worried about them. So they get put away. But she has a portrait commission because there are frequent scenes where the characters like mainly Charlotte walks past them. And like she's creeped out by Mm -hmm. this big portrait of this woman with bones in the background. And I think part of her fear is that the bones were either human Mm -hmm. or like um, just some specimen who died there in the Institute, which is true. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, which sort of adds to the whole creepiness. Like, we've all seen those big, like, um, portraits that have been commissioned to be painted, but I don't think any of us have ever seen one where the props consist of, like, animal bones in the background. As right. like, if they are, the like, bones. some kind of fancy jewel or something. Yeah, she dies and she keeps the bones, and then she gets uh-huh. more apes. And that's, I think, later when Dr. Oh my gosh, I forgot his name. This is terrible. Nymphodora's Lymphadora... <laughs> doctor. Dr.
1: Doctor. Gardner. Yes. Dr. Gardner. So we. I am going to apologize in advance. I got really excited and read this book like super early. So <laughs> it has been a few weeks. So if I forget any names, please yell at me on the internet and I'll learn my lesson.
0: I think I got all the names except for Dr. Gardner, but everybody else, I'm cool. So I will be here for you. Oh. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so then Dr. Gardner comes... And he has this strange backstory where he like he it implies he feels some connection with African with black people because he comes from a lower class mm-hmm. and he is also judged as being not as capable. Right. And so for some reason, he feels like this kinship with black people because of that. So mm-hmm. as part of his research, he wants to show he wants to do sort of like what Du Bois did or Du Bois, I'm sorry, I'm terrible with names did when he did his Paris show of like great African-Americans, which mm-hmm. were basically a bunch of, it was like photography of high achieving African-Americans in the United States. So like philanthropists, lawyers, doctors, he wants to do something similar,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: I don't, he is not coming from the same place. He comes to the town and he creeps everyone out. He follows right. the children and draws them while they're playing. Right. Which is how an meets him. Some,
1: mm-hmm.
0: She she's part of an organization called stars, Of the morning Mm -hmm. and they sort of select her i'm assuming because she's the only one who's not married and has no family and like so she gets caught like she has less to lose by
1: thought it was because her mother was like the head of this organization before she was like her mom has all these big plans for nymphadora and i actually really like the descriptions of um it's kind of this culty offshoot of Christianity where um, women are separated from men, and the women are in a group called Star of the Morning. The men are, um, I think, Saturn. Saturn. Yeah, Saturn. What is it, Saturnites? Yes, Saturnites. Nights. Saturnites. And so her parents um, lead each um, leg of this organization, and they kind of set Nymphadora up to. Be like the special snowflake, be the chosen one, be the one who's going to take over this group, um, which essentially runs this um, uh, black neighborhood, um, the segregated town um, and this count in this all white county. So they're setting her up with a lot of power, but it seems like her mom's really um, hanging a lot on the fact that she's going to get married one day, that Nifidora is going to get married a really successful guy. So they're like spending all this money on her and stealing money from the congregants. When it seems like the money is run out, her parents both commit suicide and leave Nymphedora essentially alone, but she does inherit the leadership of the stars of the morning. Okay. So, okay.
0: So Nadine must just be another, there's another star of the morning who seems to be presented as not exactly an antagonist, but she is more, She's just sort of, she, I'm trying to, she's not, like, she's not actively working against Nymphadora, but there is, like, it does feel like there's, like, a threat of competition
1: between them. Right. And I I think that this mostly, because all of these um, Nymphadora segments um, come up later, you realize it's a letter that Nymphadora was writing to explain what happened, And I think that um, kind of the weirdness we feel towards the other women in the town is actually Nymphadora's own scorn toward them. Like, I think, yeah, I think that she always felt like she was better than everyone around her. And she just kind of looked down on people and that came through in the telling of the story.
0: And that's also really interesting because, so after she talks to Dr. Gardner, he sort of convinces her to pose for him, pose mm-hmm. nude. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons she does it is I think because she kind of like, she wants to just stop worrying, I guess. She wants to like let it go and just give in to a reckless behavior and not have to worry about the consequences. Right. So, and, like, um, oh, go ahead. Well, like, so like that, what you were saying, like she judges these women, but at the, she judges other women and sort of looks down on them, but at the same time, like she reads these like police gazettes, like these police crime reports. Mm-hmm. And she sort of seems envious of like the these law like these body tales of the women who like prostitute and who are rowdy and she feels envious of their ability to just like do whatever they want and not have it be seen as like some sort of callback to like the race as a whole.
1: Right. And it is it, I, I actually found Nymphadora um to be one of the more interesting characters in the book, um because she says several times that she's ugly, like she she's not um shy about calling herself ugly or homely um, i think is what she's homely yes she was
0: a beautiful child but it did not really translate <laughs> right. well into her adulthood
1: right but the thing is she's still like extremely vain
0: um yeah. about her
1: appearance like she talks about she becomes a school teacher but she spends all of her money on like a fragrant fragrance and um makeup and lotions, which she never uses except for at home by herself. So there's this part of her, I think, because she actually was in um they talk about how her picture was taken um for the Paris show and she was like held up as this exemplary example of um a young black girl, but how all that potential kind of fizzled out. Um but the the vanity and the superiority complex never went away and I think that that's what really drew her to Gardner when he was like can you pose for me and she was like of course like I I should be if you're talking about like he kind of sells it as oh I want to like um really portray African Americans in this very positive light I want to show the best of the best and because she has this idea in her head of who she is she's like of course and I think that blinds her to a lot of the weirdness that Dr. Gardner is doing some of the red flags that might have saved her down the line yeah
0: because he is weird later we learn that so one of the wives one of the stars of the morning who has a husband who is looking for work and he volunteers to go work (laughs) at the institute and it comes back that while he's there, Dr. Gardner drugs him and has him am- has, have him answer like really strange questions. Like he'll hold up a card with two shapes and ask him to point out which one is the sin mm-hmm. or which one is the mind of God. And mm-hmm. then after another incident, he says he swears when he leaves, he sees another researcher asking a monkey the exact same questions. Mm-hmm. And so there are just these reports of a busload of men from Boston. The book takes place um, in Massachusetts. Um, busloads of men from Boston being brought in and they are described as leaving and I think Nadine says it humiliated and broken down like something Mm -hmm. from them had been taken away so he's kind of weird but despite all that Nymphadora still falls in love with him and is surprised she surprises herself I think by falling in love with him
1: yeah because he's you know giving her chocolates and talking about how perfect her body is and sketching her. And I think really essentially just giving her that attention that she craved for so many years. Um, and that kind of dilutes her better judgment. And I think he knows that, to be honest. Yes. And like he laughs
0: at her jokes and he's sort of mm-hmm. like, he gets her to reveal her secret morning star name, which is Nymphadora. Right. Her real name is Ellen Jericho. Mm-hmm. And, like, he gets
1: her to reveal she is Nymphadora. Right. And I actually, I actually did, did, like, like that, um, that ritual. ritual. The stars of the morning would come together with the... Were they called starlings? Like, the youngest yes, little members, little baby stars. Little baby stars. And they would open up the Bible randomly. And whatever was on the page, that would be their name. So Nymphadora opens it up. And she reads the passage. But there's a misprint in the Bible um And the name comes out Nefedora and her mother scandalized that she would have such a sexy name, but Nefedora really loves it and takes to it. And that's what she's called. Um, and that's how she refers to herself in the letter. Mm-hmm. So, so all that. And so eventually she
0: discovers that because she Nadine sort of pushes Nefedora to go talk to him about the embarrassing work that he's doing on the men. Mm-hmm. And while she's up there, she discovers a drawing of her body with the chimps, like chimps' head and features right. superimposed, sort of on it. Right. And she sort of gets the, I guess I don't know if it's her reading into it or if maybe I don't know, but she gets the implication that he loves the chimp more than he cares for her. Right. And so yeah, she's,
1: just the way. So when she see she sees um you know, the the pictures of herself, and they never have a face, they never have any really identifying features, it's just her body drawn out. But then when she sees the picture of the, the monkey, like, it's smiling, she sees playfulness in its eyes, like, he really takes love and attention to draw, like, the the face of this chimp, and I think that freaks her out.
0: Yeah. So she ends up coming back. She doesn't steal the painting, which is what I would do. I would steal all of them.
1: <laughs> I would have, too.
0: She takes one, leaves, mm-hmm. sneaks back into the Institute,
1: mm-hmm.
0: finds Rosalie, takes her out,
1: and sort of like just leaves her in the woods. Yeah, like they go, they go and they, go and like, they cuddle like cuddle, in, cuddle in, the woods, in the woods and then she leaves her and then she hops like, on a train and goes. There's a lot of weird cuddling in this. There world. is a lot of weird cuddling. As um. someone
0: who really values my personal space. <laughs> That just added to my uncomfortableness. I was like, oh like everything in this book just made me uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, the monkey's that... breath, the hugging it, the sleeping it, the breastfeeding it, everything.
1: Yeah. Maybe that's a good a good way to describe the tone. Like uncomfortable. Like, oh, I don't like that. You yeah.
0: Know? And like you can't say it's not poorly done. Like I think right. that's clearly what she was going for. Right. But was like, oh. But yes, so then she sets her free and she leaves town. I think she goes to Cleveland. I can't it's not. Okay. It sort of ends so abruptly and she, you don't read it as she gets there so it's not that important. But she leaves town.
1: Right. Okay. Though I do know that in a different earlier in the book because we, we read this letter and what happens to her pretty late in the book. Earlier we hear some talk about Dr. Gardner and we hear that he left and went to I think Cleveland and they find out later that he killed himself. Um, But they don't really explain if he found Nymphedora or if he was just torn up. Like, they don't explain what or if he was found out with his experiments because um, I don't think that while they are experimenting still on Black people, they are not doing these particular experiments (laughs) that they did before. So I don't know if he was disgraced and they shut that down, if it had something to do with Nymphedora. Like, we don't really know what happened there right
0: and i'd like to say like all of these experiments do not seem at all based on any type of scientific like there's they're not okay. scientifically sound like right. i don't know what's going on and it's never really explained that's the other thing like he just wants to teach monkeys to learn and right so to learn to speak so so let's so let's go i guess from that let's jump ahead to the present quote-unquote to the freemans
1: Oh, I think that there's one more thing we should talk about, which is, which I really want to hear your thoughts about, um, which is uh, uh, Charlotte's mom. Oh, God. Yeah. And her, why, why she, she learned sign language. Yes. We sort of skimmed over
0: that. The reason the Freemans are selected is partly because they all know how, they, I think the father does, he never does in the book, but they all know how to sign. Right. And, and Laurel
1: started mm-hmm. it. Yes. yes. So Laurel is Charlotte and Callie's mother and she grew up on a Christmas tree farm like way out in the country as and one does as one does and it kind of confused me because I again listened to the audiobook of this and um Charlie's mom they had several different people reading each character section oh that's some- interesting. It would have been, but sometimes Charlie's mom had a Southern accent and sometimes she didn't. And I was like, if you grew up in Minnesota, like on a Christmas tree farm, I don't know how you'd have a Southern accent. So that kind of confused me. (laughs) But aside from that, um, so she's on the Christmas tree farm. She's the only um, Black child her age growing up. Um, And besides her family, the only, I think they said Black family in like a hundred mile radius or something like that. And so all these people come and they buy Christmas trees from them, but she still kind of feels like that tension, like at any moment, like something racist or something like, you know, really demoralizing could happen. And so she's got this whole tension growing up. And um, one day they meet a deaf school from down South. They're doing a tour. A deaf colored
0: like, school, like a black. Right.
1: Yeah. Right, a deaf colored school, um, where they're doing stories from the Bible and um signing in and dancing and stuff. And that really resonates with um uh the mother for some reasons that aren't total I, I mean, what was your what was your thought on that? Like why do you think she really latched on to onto this this performance?
0: I sort of got that because from what I could tell, so she is the only black student in the area and she sort Mm -hmm. of just wants to like, not like blend in and not Mm -hmm. be noticed. Mm -hmm. And and at one point she stops, like there's this whole thing about how language is to her and how nothing she says verbally ever means what she wants it to mean. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: so at one part, I think in the book, she goes mute because he stops not mute completely, it's probably conditional muteness. When she's at school, she doesn't speak. She starts mm-hmm. passing notes to people. Mm-hmm. And it gets so bad at one point, her parent, her mother, I believe, goes to the school and says, why are you letting her not talk? And right. they're like, well, it was easier for everyone this way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so what happens, so she doesn't talk except for at home. She, then she discovers the, the troop. The troop comes and they stay for lodging. And um, the thing is, they trade The chance to wash their clothes because they refuse Mm -hmm. to take any sort of pity. They trade the chance to wash their clothes for a performance. So when Laurel sees this performance, I think the signing, like it resonates with her, the ability to communicate without words. It seems Mm -hmm. to, she seems to, she feels more as herself when she's signing than when she's speaking. And so from then she gets sort of like obsessed with it and she starts Mm -hmm. learning signs and practicing. And I think that's. It's that idea of it's it's quieter. She can say what she means. And probably the fact that there's probably no one else around who can understand mm. her. So it's sort of like her own thing. I think that sort of played into it.
1: Mm. That's interesting.
0: So I sort of got that. This whole book for me is like just es- people finding different ways to escape mm. problems. Like she escapes through signing. Lymphedora finds some escape with Dr. Gardner. When we go into the future... Or when we come to the present day, Callie, who I thought was one of the more interesting present day characters, mm-hmm. escapes with food. And then mm-hmm. Charlotte escapes with Adia. So, like, everyone has, finds themselves in these really strange, uncomfortable situations. And it's just interesting to see what they do to sort of
1: comfort themselves. Right. But never actually try to get out of it. So. Right. Yeah. Um, so then from there, she goes to, I believe, nursing school. Um, and, uh, no, wait, or does she go to, uh, teacher school? I forget, but
0: she, I thought she became a teacher, but whatever she does before the Institute is not really.
1: Yeah. Well, there is one, I think really important part to, well, two important parts, I think. Um, one is that she signs, um, she signs like, uh, black, like you could speak black. She signs black and she refuses to. Um, alter the way that she signs to sound more white in a s l because she thinks that uh that's right it's, a, it's inauthentic, but because of that she doesn't progress in her career she's um, a teachingist that's right right, so she never becomes a full teacher because she refuses to as they're telling her to sign correctly, but she doesn't feel like she's signing incorrectly,
0: yeah, but she does change it to get the job. At the Tonybee Institute, right? She does. She, she does. She
1: signs in standard ASL. And that goes to, I think, the central mystery of this character, because we'll get into some of her weirdness later. When she meets this boy, and this is why I was getting confused if she was a nurse or not, who I think is, uh, he was chained up outside. He's kind of feral. And um, he's in the hospital. Ned. She's Ned. And she's caring for him. He's missing... A piece of his skull in the back, and she's kind of like sneaking into his bed and cuddling with him and looking at like the hole in his head. And I think she's there to teach him sign language or to care for him in some way. But it sets up this—it's it, the first time you really see in her this need to take care of of something, of something, but not just something, but something that's like really needy or really desperate for like her desperation matches to care for matches its desperation to be cared for. And it kind of creates this toxicity yeah. that we see again yeah. with, with Charlie. Charlie.
0: Yeah. I think they, assume because Ned is old enough that it may be too late for him to learn spoken language, mm-hmm. but they hold out hope that maybe he can learn to sign.
1: Ah, uh, right. right. And so
0: that's so. why she, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It's just Laurel to me, And I'm glad we're getting in the present day because I think that's Mm -hmm. where the most of the mess is. And Laurel to me, as is every adult character in this book, just terrible at making decisions. Right. Terrible, terrible, makes horrible decisions with her life and her entire family. Right. right?
1: And it's just it's kind of painful to watch. I don't know why. Like that's why I really wanted to get into her backstory too before we talked about her, because I don't know. What is she looking for? What is she looking for? Like, she has these two daughters um, that desperately need her. Like, Callie desperately needed Laurel to to help her in this situation. Um, But she kind of puts all that aside. She puts her marriage aside to be with Charlie in this really kind of upsetting way. You discussed earlier that um, Charlotte finds her breastfeeding Charlie He's always, like, hanging on her, like, he's got spit all over the place, he's urinating, he urinates urinating on, on um, Charlotte's Charlotte sweater pants. <laughs> and her sweater. sweater, yeah, on the first day of school. Oh, on, the on the first day, first of, day of school, school. And, and instead of, of, like, like washing uh, it, yeah, she kind of sprays it down with something, um, and it just, like, that that need to protect and nurture doesn't transfer to her own children. Like it's, uh, Charlie's using it all up. And I don't understand what, what, why, you know? The
0: breastfeeding scene. So there is a scene where Charlotte walks in on her mother nursing. And I think it's nursing. Okay, so let's talk about biology for a quick second. (laughs) If you are not currently- if you had not currently been pregnant and/or lactating, can you just like spontaneously start lactating? You know, because I don't know.
1: If not, <laughs> if, if not, not, he was just there sucking and that was. That makes ooh. it even worse. Ooh. Like, I don't know if we can be vulgar. Like I said, my mom would listen to this, but this is something I would say to my mother. So this monkey's just there sucking on a titty and it's it, weird. It
0: is to the point where she bleeds because in the yes. Thanksgiving scene where everything sort of blows up the mm-hmm. their aunt jenny the mm-hmm. monkey like sort of is infatuated with it as i said charlie is an asshole he has inappropriate relationships with like he's mean he always tries to push his dominance on callie he's like right. really like possessive of laurel and so like when jenny comes he like i guess comes infatuated with her and at one point rips her sleeve mm-hmm. and like kind of molests it with his mouth like it's in his mouth right. and he's eating it and he's sniffing it and so they go into the bedroom to sort of get Ginny a new shirt. And when she's mm-hmm. pulling one over her head, she sees blood. And it's blood right where a woman's breast would be. Mm-hmm. So I don't think like nursing, yes, but like, no, she can't be because right. Callie is like, what, nine or 10 at the start of the book. She is not right. lactating. And I don't right. think you just start lactating because someone is, it's a very disturbing
1: and uncomfortable situation. So um charlie Charlie most certainly would have been breastfed or not breastfed bottle fed because his mother chimp abandoned him so he like breastfeeding wouldn't necessarily be natural to him either (gasps) (gasps) right
0: (laughs) this raises whole new terrible implications
1: And um, the scene, I will say the scene where Charlotte finds out about the breastfeeding was pretty terrifying. So she hears like a weird noise or something. Or she wants to go in and look at Charlie in his bedroom and all the lights are off and it's real creepy. And then she kind of looks in the corner and there's a shape and she actually sees her mom. Like hunched over. Hunched over Charlie the monkey. And it destroys her. And that's kind of the break for Charlotte. That's kind of the point where Charlotte is like, hmm, I think I'm going to spend more time out of the house. Yes. <laughs> um, so, it's, yeah.
0: It's just, and the more you think about it, the worse it gets. I, mm-hmm. I don't, uh, and like, in the fact for me, that was when I guess Laurel sort of like, I okay, can't for one, as kooky as it is, I can mm-hmm. kind of get, yeah, we're going to take part in this experiment because we signed and we're going to teach it. Like, I get it. It's kooky. Right. But it's still within the realms of like, okay, you're just really enthusiastic about ASL. When she was trying to like when she was letting that monkey
1: suck on right. her butt. Like you have crossed a line. You've crossed a line that that I can't, I can't understand why you crossed it. Like I don't understand what, what's what's up with the monkey, Laurel? What's up with it? I don't mm.
0: And it's so and then for while, and then it has to be kept as a secret. Right. Like they don't want it getting out.
1: And uh, Laurel doesn't want Charlotte to tell anyone.
0: Right. And this has bigger implications than I think I even realized when I first read it. Because by not telling the family, Charlotte not only, one, keeps this really big secret, but Callie feels really betrayed by the fact that this big thing happened and Charlotte didn't tell her. Right. Because they start off at the beginning of the book, I would say, very close. Closer right. than they are. They grow apart. You can like actually sort of watch them grow apart as the book right.
1: progresses. Right. And part of it, I think, is a normal older sibling, younger sibling. The younger sibling doesn't quite understand like, um, okay, you know, what's a teenager? Why is my right. best friend now being so shitty to me? But uh, I think a bigger part of it is... <laughs> the monkey. <laughs> the monkey. Um, so, um yeah. So maybe we should get into Charlotte. Charlotte, like...
0: I feel like Charlie. she was our, I guess, main POV character, but I think she was probably the least interesting out of all of them. I would agree. Yeah. She's sort of, and like she has this moment, which could have been a bigger thing. She has this moment where she realized she likes girls, Mm -hmm. but everyone else is crazy, is so crazy, (laughs) (laughs) but you really can't even focus on that because there's a woman breastfeeding
1: a monkey. Right. It kind of overshadows everything. Like, on one hand, I did like um, her relationship with Adia, who is the only other Black girl in her mm -hmm. class. I like like that that it's it's kind of, like, it's not like, like, oh, and now I'm a lesbian, and I'm so conflicted. I gotta figure this out, too. It's kind of like, oh, I like this girl, and this is my escape. Like, it's not the fact that she's a lesbian isn't made abnormal when there's there's so so much much craziness going on. (laughs)
0: Right. And I think it has, like, maybe it results in one of the, like, sweeter is a weird word, but one of the sweeter moments with Charlie, because she confesses to Charlie, I -hmm. like girls. And then he, like, sort of mimes it back at her. Right. And, like, it's supposed, they sort of relate it to, like, when a sibling says something back, like, just copies everything you say over and over. But she sort of gets validation, like, the more he says it, the more, I guess, it feels more real and true to her. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like the one scene where he wasn't being as big of a creep. Right. <laughs> yeah, she does get sort of she's like I guess cause she's in the position where she's not the adult making the decisions, but she is mature enough to try to sort of see like in and sort of see that things are wrong and how to find a like adaptive ways to deal with it.
1: Right. Like she to, knows this yeah. isn't normal. Right. And she can leave. Whereas Callie, who I do want to spend some time talking about, um Yeah no is starting to realize something is wrong like her instincts are telling her but she still loves her mom and she she physically can't leave the way that charlotte can
0: yeah so yeah so i do like i think the relationship i couldn't figure out adia at first and her mother i feel like they're supposed to be representing something
1: yeah i don't like
0: a definite commentary i guess it's against a commentary it's just like overly militant like
1: right right like if if tumblr was around they would have a tumblr that you would read but then sometimes it'd be like i don't know and, and like uh it was kind of i don't know it was yeah. kind of weird because her mother is like this beautiful um i think like pottery person artist. yeah yeah artist and she works in uh clay and, and so she, she kind of agitates actually. the city, like, saying, we should do, did they do the Wiz or something at the school? She
0: she was like, why isn't there a Black History Month, or why isn't there? And so, like, they sort of, like, throw together these things as a result of her criticisms, but they don't seem to be very well executed. Like, yeah, they right. do do the Wiz, but is the only other Black person there, and she refuses to perform in it.
1: Right, <laughs> so, so the they whiz have with all-white white cast. <laughs> Um, so it um, seems like, you know, she's, she's always, always agitating, agitating, but it seems like the town. And it, so I don't think we talked about the geography. There is, um, there's a city um, and then there's a county. And you got to help me with the names because now I forgot forgotten.
0: Spring City, where uh-huh. most of the African-American, like where the majority of the population, African-American population lives. Right. Because, and where like, like, Nefidoras. Home- Sorry. Oh,
1: Oh, go ahead.
0: I was going to say, throughout her whole first day of school, Charlotte, everyone asked, are you from Spring City? Are you from Spring City? And she's like, no, I'm from Cortland County, where the majority of the white people live.
1: Right. So Adia and her mother live in Cortland County, kind of in the old downtown. Nymphadora lives in um, Spring City. That's where most of her um, chapters take place. Mm -hmm. And the Tony B is in Cortland County as well. Mm Mm-hmm. So,
0: but yeah, they, her mother is sort of like presented, but she's not, she's presented as this rabble rouser sort of, but like, mm-hmm. still kind of a
1: half-assed one. Like <laughs> Right. Like they have the whiz and she's like, okay, yeah. that's
0: good. And they then, have
1: the history month. Like she, she never really does, does anything of substance.
0: Yeah. It's a um, lot of talk. And at one point she even says you can't do anything because the systems are just too big.
1: Right. 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 I do like like her her list list with 80s, though, of what what black black people people do and don't (laughs) do. Like, that really resonated with me. I love that one.
0: Black people, like, I felt very valid. black people watch Star Trek, apparently.
1: (laughs) Right, right. And it was, I don't know, that just reminded me, I don't know if you have this experience, too, of um, being a kid, and um, there being all these rules of what black people did. Right. And if you fit into these rules, like you were black, even if you weren't. And if you didn't fall into these rules, um, you weren't black, even if you were. Right, you're an Oreo. And it just just brought brought me back to, I remember at my eighth grade graduation, um, you know, I was at a predominantly black school and uh, we were practicing and this, um, this mom was there for the graduation, the practice, and there was the one white girl in our class and she, and was, she like, was like, Oh, oh so you're, you're white, white, huh? And the girl was like, Yeah. And she's like, but you're not like, not, like white, white, white. And the girl was like, no. And the mom was like, spell, spell ghetto. ghetto. And so she <laughs> said, G-H T T O. Oh. And so the mom was like, That's right. Black people don't put the E in there. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, What? <laughs> like, I like I was, it. <laughs> and it was just like all these rules that you that she knew. And I, and I still sometimes will say, like, oh, you know, I don't oh, eat mayonnaise because I'm black. Like, black Oh, I didn't,
0: that one, I I did, that. yeah, don't eat mayo. Sorry, that right. one also hit me personally.
1: Right, so it was kind of like, I just, I would have liked to see more of that in there. Um, just some touch points to keep me sane throughout this book.
0: I think that runs because I did have, because like, Charlotte, Charlotte sort of talks about like when they ask the music question, what music do you listen to? She right. talks about how like she always fails that test, right? Which I thought was kind of funny. Whitney Houston was too white, apparently, and right. the oldest stuff her parents listened to, like Sly and the Family Stone, right? And other stuff
1: was too old, and so yeah. And then she, she says like Prince, and Prince, that's, Prince, and that's, Prince that's Prince kind of on the fence answer. And for a second, I was like Prince, like you can't like Prince, but <laughs> <laughs> I guess
0: mean, it was 1992, so like, right. I don't know, like what was what was everybody doing then? I gotta think. I
1: don't it, know. It I was into Pokemon that year. <laughs> Nineteen ninety, I was three. <laughs> yeah, I have no recollection I of, of what I was doing. I think I was like watching Barney. Like, like you know, yeah, I wasn't too culturally, culturally aware, aware at that aware. point. Exactly.
0: I will say though, the whole idea of like what black people do. This is like my favorite. This is my favorite quote of the book, and I highlighted it. And it was uh-huh. um, when Nymphadora was talking about how her parents committed suicide. She was like. Have you ever heard of colored people killing themselves and over money too? As if a colored person has never been broke before. (laughs) And I was like, like that was a genuinely funny line. I kind of loved it. Yeah, it reminded me of that 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 Chris Rock skit where he's talking, where he talks about where his mother, um, whenever she never gives money to a homeless white person, he's like, no excuse for that. Like, (laughs)
1: so yeah, yeah,
0: I kind of like that. So yeah, Charlotte. Charlotte, I guess, was more... She was probably meant to be, like, our anchor. Like I think so. Everyone else is going crazy. It allows us in a chance to escape the narrative and do something relatively normal because the relationship
1: she has with the D is kind of cute. Right. And, yeah, she's kind of teaching her to sign, to sign by, like, signing on her arm or mm-hmm. signing on her neck. And then, you know, it moves into, like, some more PG-13.
0: Yeah. <laughs> On her not bed because apparently beds are colonial mattresses right. are colonial
1: <laughs> so adia does just, not have a
0: mattress in her bedroom because mattresses are colonial
1: so she just sleeps in like a tangle of blankets on, the, on floor. the floor <laughs> <laughs> yeah adia is definitely um interesting like i would i want to see more of adia but um <laughs> maybe this wasn't the story for her <laughs> yeah
0: I will say, like, their split at the end comes because Adia tries to draw, like, an ironic cartoon. Yeah. And she takes and turn. Yeah, Charlotte does not get it. And I don't know if she takes a turn or if she just honestly does not understand how painful the whole thing. Like, she's not living right. with the monkey. She probably doesn't realize how bad it really is. Right. But she draws this comic where everyone is, like, sort of caricatured to be very unflattering. They have, fuck- right. like, racist caricatures. They have butt right. teeth. They have, like, nappy hair, quote-unquote nappy hair. They right. have, like, the big red lips. And she even tells Charlotte she had submitted it to run in the school newspaper. Right.
1: But that the teacher said he couldn't run it because it was too offensive. it was too racist. And so Charlotte's like, why did you draw me like this? And Adia's is like, oh, it's ironic. It's irony. <laughs> so then her plan is like, well, let's
0: just print out a bunch of copies and right. plaster it around town because then they have to answer for it. Because Adia really wants the Tony B, Tony B to answer for like their racist experiments that right. in the past right. and how like the experiment they're currently doing is possibly also kind of a little racist.
1: Yeah. 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 So Adia is yeah. definitely yeah. an envelope pusher, sure, but, but I, I think, think that she is, is awesome. also <laughs> slightly misguided <laughs> yeah. in her yeah. attempts yeah. to be edgy. You know, the more we talk about it, the funnier this book may have actually been. That's true. That's true. It's like everything is very subtle. um, Like a dark
0: humor kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Callie's
0: story was not funny, though.
1: Callie's story was heartbreaking. Like, this is where I really wanted to take their mother and just say, girl, what? Like, Like, look, what? (laughs) (laughs) what are you doing?
0: and as a girl who was a fat child so Callie finds relief in food to the point where she gains a lot of weight and mm-hmm. as a child who was a fat child and it was like still sort of a fat adult but I'm not as fat an adult as I was fat a child uh-huh. if that makes any sense like it was painful to read
1: Callie's yeah. story
0: like like there's a scene after the blow up at the Thanksgiving when Uncle Lyle who is the only adult in this movie yes we will get to Uncle Lyle because he was my hero in this book <laughs> Where, like, he is, like, sort of berating Charles, his brother. He's their paternal uncle. He's mm-hmm. like, Callie has gained all this weight. And it's like, I've been in that situation where you have, like, extended family members talking about your weight. And it is, like, mm. when she rears back. I was like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. yeah.
1: so It was heartbreaking.
0: Yeah. And Callie. Seem... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, Callie also seems, between the food, like, she comes home after school and she eats. They have yeah. a whole cafeteria
1: because it's, like, a research lab right she eats like sugar and raw hamburger yeah just raw meat and the like the descriptions are just so vivid like this is probably the part that really stuck out when she's down in the freezer and she's like putting the raw meat in her mouth and just like talking about how like essentially she's just empty like her sister has left her her mother has gone crazy her father's distant and she's trying to fill herself up with food yeah Um, and she's being like physically abused by charlie who's like biting her and scratching her and pulling her hair out and no like none of the adults that seem like they're supposed to protect her have really done anything about it
0: well so i have two things on that one she eats the raw i think she also secretly wants charlie's affection that's why she Mm. eats the raw hamburger because he smells the meat on her face Uh. and then he comes and like sort of kisses it off of her which again disgust me right and then um so she wants charlie's affection because at the same time, as she gets bigger, everyone, I guess it's probably out of shame or, like, out of, like, not knowing what to do. They start, her family members start ignoring her, mm-hmm. like, sort of, like, trying not to pay attention to it. And the researchers start overcompensating right. by complimenting her all the time. Right, which
1: right. just makes her more uncomfortable. Right. Yeah, Kelly definitely has, I think, the saddest story overall, like, even to the end, which we can come back to, but it it just kind of, just seeing her, you know, her confusion and her isolation just really made me, like, oh my god, this isn't funny, like, this is really depressing.
0: Get it together, Um,
1: Laurel. Get it together, Laurel, but you you know what? You know who shares the blame is their father. Oh, Charles. Charles. So Charles Charles also also sees what's going on, um, and yeah, he he's a teacher at um, Charlotte, Charlotte school. school, and I actually, I actually really like, like the, the scenes where he's talking about his students and how you know some yeah, of his um, students like yeah, him. And he's talking about like the only male black male student at the school, um, uh-huh. Hakeem. Hakeem. <laughs> um, and uh, come on now,
0: how many Hakeems were there in the nineteen eighties? Let's be real. I mean, <laughs> I can think of a
1: Hakeem in Empire. <laughs> 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 he would have been born, been born in the 90s and he would have been a baby yeah so, um,
0: yeah, yeah it's, it's just, just I didn't get him like I feel like I know nothing about it. I don't know what his motivations were I guess I guess did he just go along he wanted to get closer to nature and I feel like right. that's why he sort of married Laurel too right the idea of this black woman who like grew out in the like away from the city and was like mm-hmm. in tune with nature and stuff but other than that I'm like why would you let this woman bring your daughters? Yeah,
1: because he seemed a, really affectionate, affectionate. toward his daughters. Like, he seemed to really love them, but and he kind of had, had this had helplessness that, that I don't, don't think was really, really there. Like, I kid, think like, it was just, like, he was like, well, I'm going to go along with what Laurel said okay. because I'm, I'm going to go along with me. it. <laughs> yeah. so, you know, so I know, I know that you. this is wrong. Um, so, he, so he, has, has, he has, he has fewer chapters, chapters than I think the others, um, but he does he have does a have couple out. POV chapters, um, where he discusses things. And then, and then after, after, um, I guess, I guess now, we now we should we talk, should talk about, about, about the Thanksgiving that. scene, yes. um, uh, because that kind of prompts a, a few big changes into the secondary characters. I
0: would probably um, call that the books, like when it's revealed to everyone that she's been breastfeeding, right, quote right. unquote, breastfeeding. Right, that's probably like the big climax of the book. Right, and then have uh, to I deal. guess
1: maybe we should talk about the other two characters who are there very briefly. Um,
0: three, there, three, four, four. If we four. count, there's Uncle Lyle, the only adult with any sense. Right, Aunt Jenny, right. Julia B Tony B. Oh,
1: right, appears. I was gonna say the two researchers.
0: Yeah, and her nurse Nadine. Right,
1: <laughs> when Surprise. I was like, <laughs>
0: I would just like to say, when that was revealed, I made a note (laughs) in my book that just read, ah!
1: (laughs) Right, I was like, wait, what? Oh my gosh! Because I'm like, wow, I did not expect that from her. Right. Yeah. So So they decide to have Thanksgiving dinner together, and it's um, uh, the Freeman family, it's uh, the uncle and his wife, it's Julia, Tony B, and Nadine and then it's the two researchers um max who video you know is the videographer he's taping everything and uh kind of the main researcher who's always licking chalk and they never yeah. explained what that was about like every once in a while she would just like with a lizard yellow lizard tongue like lick a piece of chalk from her pocket
0: that's so, like see that that added to the like creepiness, like because when they described her, Doctor Paulson is Dr. that Paulson. doctor, mm-hmm. and when they first introduced her, that's how they describe her. She has like this really dried, yellow caked tongue, and like that stuck with me, right, for almost the entirety of the book. I'm like, right, this and Charlotte's, Charlotte's
1: like, like, what? like, what? Like she's looking around, and her mom's like, don't just don't. Don't you say anything? Don't, don't say, say anything, anything about you. that. And it's kind of yeah, like, Charlie but Uncle why Lyle, though? though? Like why can't <laughs> we ask her why she's <laughs> licking chalk? So they're and all there, there for the, for the family Thanksgiving, and hero Uncle Lyle says uh, uh, a little background on him I guess he and the father have um, kind of like a um, competitive sibling relationship right competitive seems normal seems like maybe uh, Charles Charles is a little more resentful of the brother than he lets on but um, you know they don't have a really combative relationship so he comes and he's kind of like hey "Hey, this this is is weird weird. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like what's going on why is there a monkey why'd you move here why are you putting your dog and he's like very open about it <laughs> like, yeah not understanding what's going on well and at one point he straight up says you're letting laurel ruin you and right like uh, it's like I, I he's rude but i didn't hear the lie <laughs> he said.
0: oh gosh yeah so they they sit down eat dinner and charlotte has planned this big like confrontation
1: with A.D.A. Yeah.
0: yeah, they have written this letter, which starts like the first sentence of the
1: Declaration of Independence. <laughs> right.
0: And Adia is like, well, your rest of the family won't get it, but the white people will get it. <laughs> right.
1: And I, I, we should say that this is brought on, I know I keep going back and forth, this is brought on because they find a kind of expose book about oh, the right. Institute written by um, this woman who kind of came in, this journalist, and she exposes all that racist stuff that goes on. The pictures of Nymphadora are in there and they're kind of like, oh, you know, this poor woman, which is kind of interesting that that's Nymphadora's legacy, that she was this poor victim that was taken advantage of because she would have hated that. Like she was so vain and so yeah, uh, stubborn that that being her legacy would have like destroyed her, I thought.
0: Yeah. But- yeah. <laughs> She's presented sort of as like, they didn't even give her a name. They made up a name. Right. And they actually, it's, Yeah.
1: Right. So So, um, uh, Charlotte Charlotte finds this book and she shows it to Adia and and that's what kind of riles riles them up and makes them them really upset. They write this letter for her to present at the Thanksgiving dinner because it's going to be so impactful. But Mm -hmm. Uncle Lyle has. He sort (laughs) of steals her thunder. He does. He totally steals her thunder.
0: And so, yeah. So, oh God. And he sort of he basically accuses Julia like why do you have my, he says it repeatedly, why do you have my only flesh and blood right. up here studying them as if they're just another ape specimen?
1: Right. And Julia's kind of weird. Like she comes in some stained like pajamas or stained <laughs> sweatpants, uh, sweatpants <laughs> with uh, Nadine and that she's in a wheelchair and she's, again, she's kind of apologetic, but she's also kind of like, but what'd you learn? Like, is it working? Um, I don't. I don't think
0: she's as apologetic. I think she just wants to be seen. One of the chapters in the book, if we may sidetrack, is like this mm. really long letter from Julia yeah. about like how she like I apologize to you, African American people. Yeah, I, I apologize saying, to African American
1: people. people. But like you must understand. And it's
0: yes, kind of like, it's like the most condescending letter though. Like there's at one point where she talks about Dr. Gardner's research and how she wasn't keeping tabs on it. So there's no right. way she can be held responsible for what she right. did. Right. She, she
1: wants, wants maybe she guilt is isn't the right, right. phrase. She wants, she wants to be forgiven and understood, but she's, she's making no concession or no. That she did anything wrong. Right. Like no admission no of admission guilt, nothing like she like, doesn't she want any responsibility. She just wants, she wants to be, but she, she also knows, knows that she's done wrong, but she's in denial. Like if she didn't know that she had done something wrong, she wouldn't write a letter she wouldn't be so you know, accommodating yeah. while condescending to um, Charlotte From and her letter. letter. I think, I that, think she's that she's just you. in such a deep state of denial about the racism that she's brought that she's kind of like, well, well, you gotta I understand me, you. you gotta I understand me, but I didn't but do anything I, wrong.
0: But you right, gotta forgive don't.
1: me because I kind of did something did. wrong. So right. it's, like, it's like all these weird contradictions going on with her.
0: Um, yeah, so she... She's just really, like, it's back to those no boundaries. I think she just wants, she does want to be respected and seen as this like figure, but she doesn't really put any actual work into understanding the people. Right. right. So, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. We, we got a little sidetracked, but Charlotte has written this letter with Adia to like confront her. And she sort of loses her nerve because she's also confused by, I think, Julia's like, a, like, she, Julia, or she gets confused by Julia's apparent like, lack of malice but at the mm-hmm. same time I think she also realizes she's not completely like woke frankly. right, right. <laughs> so so she sort of like chickens out and Uncle Glyle sort of just starts going in on her mm-hmm. and that's where the whole thing sort of she loses control of it at that point right and at one point she does try to deliver her speech <laughs> like the dinner breaks up and the two men go into a room to drink and she like sort of follows them in and she has her letter and she's gonna read it and her father's like Charlotte if you don't get out of here so help me and so she's right, like right they get kicked out right
1: and this is where lyle really goes in and he's like okay i was trying I was to be trying polite to before her, but, but like look, look at callie out. she's put on a ton of weight right. look at charlotte like she's barely around she's trying to read this weird letter like your wife's are, breastfeeding her, a monkey your wife is breastfeeding a monkey uh, oh wait they don't know it at that point genie discovers it genie yes yeah. so, the, so wife, the wife she's kind of described, described as kind of like you know, stuck up, and you know. I think well, I they, think ask, they her ask her what she's, she's going to bring. She brings something else anyway. Um, so uh, so she's, to be honest, she's, though, I would be her. Like, yeah, like, like, like should she's I bring the food? Worst, <laughs> like, person worst person for Charlie, Charlie to have attacked at, because she's, she's not, not going to put up with it. it.
0: Yeah, she's like, like should I bring some food? I think mean, I don't know what the monkey eats.
1: Right, <laughs> potatoes. So um, um, after, after this, like the whole, whole family structure kind of ruptures. Uh Charles, Charles moves, moves out. out. This is where prompts him to move out. I think, uh, they, I try think they try to work to at, at it, in, but, but eventually he's like, oh, we need a separation. um uh, uh, I think that uh the cleaving he calls it the cleaving the cleaving right, right. uh because he doesn't want to say divorce. This is where yeah, a, lot a lot of his of actual chapters, chapters start coming in. yeah, I don't feel like either one of them really want the
0: divorce, but I think right. like right. they realize their wants are too too separate. He wants nothing right, to right. do with the Tony B. He's really invested. Right. So it's just sort of inevitable.
1: Right. This is where Callie's oh, kind of psyche like really ruptures structures. because she yes. finds a book about magic, kind oh, of a yeah. late game <laughs> twist for Callie, um, um, where she starts trying to do all these spells. Control. And we're not I'm really sure. sure. I wasn't I was really sure, was sure what, what the outcome, outcome. was, she, was wanted. she wanted. She wanted starts burning like Charlie's hair and making like these weird... Milk, milk baths bath. but she doesn't have enough milk, milk. and <laughs> so yeah from that she gets a book about how
0: to manipulate people and I think it's specifically how to get people to like like you because mm. she really wants Charlie to like her Ah. Uh. and so she the book says like get the person you want like burn some of her hair so she gets some he she Charlie won't let her get his right, actual hair right. though so she has to like pull off hairs that are like on her sweater and things right so she burns that Another thing is, like, make a clay figure of your beloved. So she, like, makes a little clay Charlie. Right. And right. so, like, she does all these things to get Charlie to like her.
1: Right. And she and also she has this has feeling, like, feeling that, that Charlie, Charlie is her is familiar, familiar, which is which kind of is weird, familiar, too, because it's like, Charlie really doesn't, really doesn't, doesn't like her. her. Um, Charlie doesn't like she's, anybody. An well, asshole. he doesn't like any... He, he, Charlie, Charlie is... I think I tweeted Charlie that she was Charlie like, Charlie Charlie's an, an asshole. asshole. <laughs> um, but, but she, she uh... She, she is the only, the only one who's physically, physically smaller, smaller than Charlie. Than Charlie. Um, um, so he's, so like, he's really like, oh, yeah. taking advantage of that. But she, but also, she also thinks that he's, like, her familiar. She loves him. She wants him to like to her. her. And, and this, this is, is where Charlie, Charlie or where, where um, Callie really fractures. Good. Yeah, um, it it I is, like, it really sad to watch. Bad. Like, she's describing Charles and... see all these names are mixing me up she's She's watching her her father and her sister kind of like zone out in front of the TV because they can't even deal with what's going on and she's she's going back and forth with her mom and And it's just it's really heartbreaking like what what happens to Callie yeah so yeah and it's just
0: I feel like Thanksgiving I feel like there's something else we skipped on the Thanksgiving thing though yeah so sure, they hear all that and so that does lead to divorce i guess we could probably just go to the epilogue now because i feel like that's sort of where things end in the book charles like charles has moved to an apartment in spring city mm-hmm. they go back and forth and visit i don't think i think they're still living in tony B, even though they visit their father in spring city. Right, right
1: which i, which I it's I, like point. dude get full custody like or, I, <laughs> <laughs> well uh,
0: oh gosh yeah i don't even know And why can he not? I guess, I don't know. I guess he lives, they describe like his kitchen in the apartment and how it's in a closet. (laughs) And it's the saddest scene
1: I have ever read. And it's kind of like they are paying you you. at this high school, right? right. Because he goes on teaching teaching there. there, And it's it's kind of like you you, you can't afford something with a real
0: kitchen. Like he has a hot plate and I think a toaster oven. And like, and like Callie's like, what if we want to make popcorn? And like they describe (laughs) how he sort of
1: deflates right Right. but you know what his place still didn't have like a a A monkey monkey in it so i think that wins over the tony p
0: that's true so we could probably jump to the epilogue which takes place in Uh, quote unquote present day which is actually 2010 yes which is weird because this book came out this year but that's (laughs) okay (laughs) maybe it took a while to write maybe but um so Charlotte is married and lives in. They all still live in Spring City, or not Spring City. They still all still live in town. I don't know. Right, right. I'm not about to get into which sides of the county they're in, but they're all still live in town. Um, they. Charlotte lives with her her wife Darla, right, right. who she met in college. Right. And so she's preparing to make this annual trip to see
1: Charlie at the Tony B Institute. Right. But again, it isn't quite presented straightforward because she's spending a lot of time talking about this box that she put a chicken
0: liver in,
1: or chicken liver she puts some chicken in this really ornate box and it's like what what huh and they talk a lot about that and you find out okay she's married I, i'm not quite sure what she does but it seems like she's relatively stable um, yes. with her wife
0: yes she seems to be the more adjusted right person period right yeah, and so she drives, she goes, so she leaves. She Her wife talks about, like, you're just stalling. Just go and, just go and get it over with. Right. So she leaves and picks up Callie, mm-hmm. who's implied lives with a bunch of cats. Right. right. Yeah, like, yeah. They're not allowed to ask about how many cats she has. Or right.
1: Anything. Or what she does for a living, and they never have gone into her apartment. Like, she's in, like, this high-up apartment on, like, a cliffside. And...
0: Yeah. And yeah,
1: they... yeah, she's only gotten bigger. Right. So. And she, I think she was, like, kind of dirty when she saw her. And it's, like, you just you just don't ask her questions. And I think they even said, like, they don't even speak to her outside of this, like, annual trip to go see Charlie.
0: I don't know if we got, maybe, I don't remember if we got that bad. I just know they said that, like, her personal life was off limits. Like, they right. don't ask her. They don't ask about her friends. You know, we did forget, a big, forget a big
1: part where Kelly like, tries to drown, to drown Charlie.
0: Oh, yeah. We mentioned it in the synopsis. And I don't think she tried to drown him. <laughs>
1: I don't he know what she to, was um, doing.
0: Purify him.
1: Yeah, she takes him out to there's a little man made lake, I think, near the Tony B. So yeah. this is after um the Thanksgiving fiasco. She takes him out there and they like wade into the water. And I thought thought for sure like he was gonna drown. She was gonna drown. I was yeah. like, this monkey, what's happening? <laughs> so what help? <laughs> Where's an adult? But um they fish her out, <laughs> the they fish Charlie no out. <laughs> And that's exactly. kind of where the the 1990s stuff ends. Yeah, after she tries to, like, I put
0: "baptized" in quotes because she's mm-hmm. not trying to kill him. Mm-hmm. And it's all part of the spell and the magic she's
1: doing. I think she just wants to purify, maybe make him less of an asshole. Right. So Callie I'm wasn't sure. trying to drown Charlie, but Charlie, Charlie seemed to be trying to trying drown Trying to drown Callie. her. Yeah. yeah. Either out of fear of being in the water. Or, or... trying to get away. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: She's also wearing a giant cape that she had her mother make for her.
1: <laughs> I forgot about that.
0: <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> yeah, what is with this fuck? What's happening? I, know. I feel like people are gonna listen to this episode and be like, what the fuck is going on? And Probably, like, so I'm well, look-
1: you know what? Your confusion right now, dear listener, is my confusion like going back over this book. I was like, oh yeah. Cause he's pulling down the cape. Oh. Yeah. Huh? So, yeah, so that was before the epilogue. But yeah, it, we,
0: we imply that she like she never gets really no one nothing is ever fixed. She continues right, being right. sort of maladjusted even at present day. Right. She has all these cats. We learn she lost her job as a massage therapist. Mm-hmm. She and she won't let she like she has mismatched socks And her relationship. Her and Charlotte's relationship seems to be like irreparably
1: broken. Damaged, they don't yeah. sign
0: anymore. Right. She doesn't like it when Charlotte quote unquote brags about her life. Right. Which Charlotte says, like I guess I can't say anything about my life because there's really nothing worth bragging about. Right. And so they pick up their mother and they go to the Tony B Institute to visit a retired Charlie
1: mm-hmm.
0: who is still supreme asshole. Yeah. They, <laughs> they give him these presents, which is mostly a food. Right. Like Callie, Callie, it's clear now he does like Callie. Like Callie is his favorite one. He sort of snubs Laurel. Right. He never forgives her for moving out. Right. And so Callie brings him just a whole bunch of boxes of sugar cereal that they, that he rips open and eats. Right. And then there's this scene where the ornate box comes back up. Right. So he, he gives her the box full of liver and he can probably smell the meat, Mm -hmm. but he cannot open, he cannot open that, that ornate box Mm -hmm. and like watching him like try to open it she realizes that she sort of did that on purpose and that yeah. she's like really a petty person and she did this so she could watch him get all upset and try to open this box right
1: right because she's kept the box for a year like she yeah. always knew that she was going to give it to charlie and then at that at this point she realizes that she did she it did. to like be a jerk to charlie which yeah. is fine I mean, because you do you i'd be a jerk to <laughs> right um now the mother they the mother and father they explain that the mother did stay on with the institute like yes. they eventually had to move out and she did stay on as kind of like a caregiver but they expressly said like don't leave her alone with these monkeys because things are gonna get weird yeah so, she teaches um,
0: asl to the new hires into the baby mm-hmm. monkeys Right, right, right. And I think her, their father maybe does not actually, I like, correct what I said, her father may have moved out of town.
1: Yeah, and I think he's married and he's kind of right. like, yeah, so you can call me, but don't call me about that monkey. monkey.
0: Yeah. Like the monkey is a sore spot, I think, for everyone. Right, yeah, right. So
1: they keep going back to see to visit him. him. Yeah, because yeah. it doesn't seem like they actually, actually at least um, Callie and Charlotte, didn't actually, actually live with him that long. It seems like eventually they all did move away. But I guess, you know, if any part of your childhood involves being with a monkey, then you remember it. You remember it like it becomes your life. Like uh, Charlotte Charlotte talks about how people will see like her story story. on like a YouTube video about weird science experiments or they might write a story and they'll contact her. It could and probably she, be a BuzzFeed, like art, like a BuzzFeed or a Buzzfeed Cracked article. Or a Cracked article, exactly. Five craziest childhood pets. Exactly. Yeah. And um, she says that she'll play along a little bit, but you can tell that she's kind of annoyed by it. But again, kind of like you said earlier, they don't ever yeah. run away. Like, she doesn't change her name. She doesn't no. um, stop the responding answer, like, to people. She doesn't stop visiting Charlie. Like, it's, you know, something I think... A whole normal person would say, "Hey, I don't like me and this monkey are done." Like the father did, it, it Ugh. stays Ugh. a part of their life and it, it, a disruptive, harmful, sad part of their life. And they keep and like it's just weird that they
0: keep going back to it. But I guess you know maybe that's just a big metaphor for we all have big, crazy parts of our life that probably aren't good for us that we still go back to
1: right or how like racism you know is so um disruptive to your life and it's not something that ever really truly goes away like you can run away from it you can run away from the racism in your own life but you know it's still gonna be there operating and affecting your life choices and damaging you no matter what what you do right and
0: And then so in the very end, we learn Callie is actually has been saving up for years Mm -hmm. to go to the Congo. Mm -hmm. And it's implied that she's going to go there, work in a sanctuary and
1: more than likely never come back. Right. Right. And Charlotte's kind of like, yeah, so I guess she's going. Yeah. (laughs) And she doesn't (laughs) doesn't, you don't really maybe because it's in the moment, you don't really know what uh, Charlotte's Charlotte's thoughts are about that.
0: Yeah, she seems sort of like resigned to it and almost sort of like, well, that's good for her.
1: Right. But is it? <laughs> it's like, is it? I think, I think Callie needs therapy. I think too. I don't think she needs Callie to go to the Congo an and disappear. She needs an intervention. Like, can we get Uncle Lyle back to talk to and say, hey, what? But it's kind of like, maybe it's the thought that she has already lost Callie. Like, she lost Callie years and years ago. So this is just like the final, final piece of losing her, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. It's just, and that's the book. That's it's the book. Like, a book. At, <laughs> oh, at one point, um, Charlotte Charlie does read the the letters, letters from Nymphadora and from um, Tony B. Yeah, um, but she decides
0: that makes things, that will make things worse, right? So she doesn't, she doesn't really them. share
1: them or anything. Um, she, so Charlotte learns the whole story, or as much as we do, but yeah. she kind of says, "Okay."
0: probably for the better probably like i'm glad somebody realizes like hey let's not let's not keep stoking this fire right
1: let's let this lie and let's let you know my life be normal outside of this one weird bit period yeah it's just yeah
0: this is like a really i would like to go way back to the beginning that Mm -hmm. sort of like stayed with me and like this is just a minor thing but it sort of resonates with the whole book i remember reading and being surprised when they're driving to the Tony B Institute at the very beginning of the book that Laurel was driving and mm. not Charles. Mm-hmm. So like, it's kind of cliche in books that the dad does the driving. right? And like, I think it's just kind of like, yeah, that's how this whole book Laurel, yeah, yeah. this entire plot. And so, it, yeah. Like, yeah, she would be the one driving. And yeah. so that's a very minor observation, but it just sort of stuck with one that I was surprised mm-hmm. that a woman was driving and I felt bad at myself. Like women can drive, <laughs> but two it just, Yeah, sort of summed up everything. She's the one taking them on this journey. They all are here because of Laurel. Right, right.
1: Whether they want to, like, none of them. She's steering it. Yeah. You can jump out of the car. That's your only means of (laughs) escaping. Oh,
0: oh my gosh. This is our
1: longest episode, probably because it's... There's a lot. I did want (laughs) to... I know you just said it was the longest episode. But I did want to point out that... um, uh, the author really did her research. Like I really liked the historical touch points in the book. Like she was yeah, talking she's like, about the Black Motors Guide. Um, she's yeah. talking about the photographs from Du Bois. Like there were real touch points in this book that I thought were really interesting how she used them. Yeah, I agree. Like I
0: don't think you could say this book is not well written. This book is very well written and I think mm-hmm. all the uncomfortableness we felt was very purposeful like I don't right. think she accidentally just wrote an ugly book I think right. She right. wrote an ugly book Right. from the, the start
1: like that's what she meant to do Right. And I so, just wish that some parts were a little tighter like I yeah. think that Max and Paulson didn't really need to like you kept Max waiting for did. something to happen with them and it didn't
0: yeah they probably didn't need to be there um, but I, I guess that... we couldn't have Julia there from the get go we need right, some right. intermediary
1: right um i think that some of the plotting could have been a little tighter um but i think like you said it's not a poorly written book um there were there were fewer lines that i just really like loved oh my I, we said we were gonna co- we not gonna compare it so i will I say that i love the book. line about um where she was looking at the moon and she's like it's just a like cold rock <laughs> it was like that's a really awesome line
0: it, it's not a god that right was, yeah that was Nymphedora, i guess who had sort of been raised to believe that everything is sort of more supernatural than it actually is right so didn't i didn't learn did. any practical skills right, right.
1: <laughs> so um but i think but that there were fewer um instances of um just really like uh, just language wise, where I really yeah. was like, oh wow, she's got a really good handle on. She's using language in an interesting way. She's using plot and character and history in interesting ways. I think.
0: Well, and I don't want to sell her short. Like her... she does a really good job. I don't want to underestimate her own ability to like describe things in the most unflattering way possible to to a to an effect. Like she did that to prove to like make something seem to create that uncomfortable mood, right. create that tension. Like, right. Yeah, she may not be as poetic mm-hmm. as like Jacqueline Woodson was. But right. This isn't exactly a pretty. Like, <laughs> I don't know how much poetry you can write <laughs> about a family that decides to live with them. <laughs> right. I would like to comment on where the title came from because that was probably one of the most heartbreaking things.
1: Yeah. After
0: you read the book. Yeah. So, or when they're driving to the Tony B Institute. Um. Hallie is in the backseat drawing a family portrait and she like has right. written above it. We love you, Charlie Freeman. And Charlotte, Charlotte at one point describes that how like heartbreakingly optimistic it is that she can't even really make fun of it.
1: Right. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it, it's, it's foreshadowing. It's yeah. the opposite of what's going to happen. Like this monkey's going to tear everybody apart. Yeah. So
0: I will say since you said she did her research, I didn't know one historical accuracy. He says oh. Andrew Jackson is on the ten dollar bill. He is not. Alexander <laughs> Hamilton is on the ten dollar bill. I'm very in tune to that
1: lately. <laughs> that's true. Jackson is on the twenty. He's on the twenty, and he won't be for long. so long. Yeah, until we can. I mean, like, I don't. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's. It's a very minor thing, but it did. Like, and it's not a minor I, thing, but it's an easy thing to check.
0: Yeah, and I don't think I would have noticed had Hamilton not like. Uh so but yeah, Harriet Tubman gonna be on the twenty. She's gonna, gonna be, be on, on the twenty. She's gonna be on season. Whole,
1: <laughs> whole roll of twenties. I was gonna give me
0: my paycheck in 20s. <laughs> she's gonna be on season two of Underground. Like we need a Harriet Tubman. Movie? Oh, is she? Yes. Have you seen that one?
1: Uh, I have not seen Underground. Look, I need you. Which is people. weird because I love Kanye and I love that girl from um, uh, Journey. Friday Night Lights. Journey. Journey. Yeah, Journey. Summit. I can't remember. Oh thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah, need you awesome. people to
0: watch Underground, <laughs> and then tweet to me about it because I love it. I love the music. It oh, that yeah. show is another show that gives me anxiety. That's another thing that gives me anxiety. Like I have never had so much. Like sometimes I would have to stop and then come yeah. back Yeah, see like,
1: that's my fear.
0: But it's not bad. Like it's not my fear was because it does. It is a slave thing that it would be. Uh-huh. We got way off topic, but that's okay. We're 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 ending also down. Good. Yeah. I thought it would be overly like ra- like very violent porn like right and it's not
1: but oh, I okay. appreciate
0: that like there is violence in it and there is but it's not like we're going to like show this violence and cruelty just to show how violent and cruel right. it was like we all know that right and so they do use the n-word a lot people get called niggers and all that other stuff but mm-hmm. it's really kind of an empowering one to watch because it's presented sort of like a heist like they're the making mm. seven, and they're gonna escape. And they're really, and they're—you see how smart they were. They like—they planned it out. They knew, like, we have to cross this bridge. This is the mechanism we're gonna build. At one point, they like engineer like this lift, and mm. so it's really smart. And I kind of like the modern music mixed in with it. Yeah, because it gives it a very unique feel. But yeah, hmm. I should give it a try.
1: Yes, I've just been on- watching mm-hmm. a lot of Atlanta.
0: <laughs> I need to watch that. That's what I need to see. That's
1: oh, okay. Okay, that's our homework for next time.
0: Yeah, watch. Underground is on Hulu. Watch it and tweet it to me about it because I will. I love it.
1: But I think you were talking to the listeners. So yes,
0: you guys. I'm talking it to, to it. everybody.
1: <laughs> also, um. send me Atlanta gifts because
0: okay. <laughs> I'll watch that. Um. One I need to catch up. So, what are you currently reading?
1: Um, so I read two books in the time we just um, <laughs> since we last spoke. You are <laughs> a much to- faster reader. Than- um, so I read Americana, um, by, i don't going to butcher her last name, Chimarinde. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I really liked it. I, I liked it because the whole time I was like, Ifemelu, what the fuck are you doing? Like, this is the first time I can really think of having a black female character, main character, mm-hmm. who was so deeply unlikable, <laughs> <laughs> but it was, like, just her the dialogue was really fantastic in it like the way she talked about her characters um and it was just really engaging and really compelling like i really truly recommend americana um even if like half the time you're going to be rolling your eyes like if I'm a little like you got to stop <laughs> like get it you're, together get it together like you're so condescending and so judgmental and so mean spirited to everybody but you know, I want to learn what happens to you, girl. Um, so I read that. And then I read um, Pillars of the Earth, which is a book about building a church. And it sounded really boring, but um, it was really awesome. That's
0: good. I'm still currently listening to On Writing by Stephen King because I am a terrible audible listener. Like, <laughs> I listen and then I'll get distracted by something. And then I realize I've zoned out <laughs> and haven't been paying attention to, like, the last five minutes. So then I'll have to go back. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've also started reading. So I'm going to book riot live. Oh. This Friday I'm flying Ooh. out to New York. And so Ken Liu is going to be there and he wrote the Paper Menagerie. Mm-hmm. So I've been trying to read that. It's a collection of short stories and they seem very fantastical. So, they're pretty yeah. good though so far. Like the one thing he, I'm reading like the very first one I'm reading was like the use of lang like the use of language and memory among like alien races and how hmm. It's just really interesting. I don't feel like I could sum it up briefly. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's really good. So that's what I've been doing. I think, are we agreed that our next reading for this will be Swing Time by Zadie Smith? Yes. Yes. So I pre-ordered mine on Audible. So this oh, may be wait. one where we both just listen to it as opposed to one listening and one reading.
1: Maybe, but I used my Audible credit this month. So, oh, okay. so <laughs> you're <laughs> like, All think... people reading.
0: It. Well, that'll be a fun switch. But yeah, so I... <laughs> I never use my credits, so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to use it on this one. I've been wanting yeah. to cancel, but I have to use them up before I can cancel. But then I don't, <laughs> but I don't use them, so I'm like stuck in this limbo. Oh. So, yes, so Swing Time by Zadie Smith. It's super new. It doesn't even come out to the 15th of this month.
1: Right. Yeah, so, so we'll, we'll be them. on topic, yes. on trend. You know, Zadie Smith gets a lot of attention. So um, I actually haven't – I started reading red te- uh, Yellow, white, white Teeth. teeth. But I only get about a chapter in. It's on my Kindle. So I'll be very new to Zadie Smith. I haven't really ever read any of her work. Have you?
0: I've like started reading On Beauty and I didn't get a chance to finish it. And I've been meaning to go back and read it. But I'm really excited. So
1: mm-hmm. yeah, I like yeah. the way whenever I see a picture of Zadie Smith, she looks like she knows what's going on. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> she She's like, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> um. So yeah, I'm excited for it me too so yay well
0: thank you for joining us if you have any recommendations of books you think we should read feel free to tweet us at black chick lit on twitter yes. um we also have a website at um black
1: yes check us out write to us um we don't have that many followers <laughs> right now so if you want to like get in there we're we'll respond
0: yeah we're pretty not many people <laughs> tweet us so if you guaranteed interaction engagement so
1: right but we are on twitter like all the time tell me what you think about atlanta tell me what you think about charlie freeman um tell us if we're mispronouncing names because that's
0: we 100% fear of mine. certainly are so all righty well it's been a good month everyone vote because yes. that's also causing me a lot of anxiety
1: <laughs> same here so, oh, I sent in my ballot. I did um, uh, mail in ballot because I was like, I'm not going to get voter disenfranchised.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be there Tuesday. I'm going to get my sticker and I'm going to selfie it to prove I did it. So
1: don't selfie your ballot, though. I won't
0: selfie my ballot.
1: I'll selfie the sticker. Selfie like, the sticker.
0: <laughs> so
1: oh gosh, that
0: the fact that that's a thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, it's going to be legal here in California next year because you can't keep teens down. If teens can't selfie their ballots, then they're not going to vote, and we want them to vote.
0: Can you imagine, like, the Founding Fathers like, 200 years from now, we're going to have to stop these kids from taking selfies of their well, ballot and posting it on Twitter? Honestly,
1: the Founding Fathers would probably be more upset that Black people were voting than that they were, they were taking selfies of their ballots. So. Yeah,
0: the Founding Fathers were
1: kind of dicks, <laughs> so especially mean, Thomas Jefferson. Whew, yeah.
0: <laughs> I really brought us down. I'm sorry. So on that note. On I
1: mean, that note, we love you guys. Thank you for listening. Um, tweet at us. Get at us. Comment. Read Zadie Smith. Know. Read Zadie Smith. And we will be back here next week or next month, month to talk to you about it. Not next week because it doesn't come out yet. Right.
0: All right. On that. Bye. <laughs>